Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio, ESPN 2, ESPN Yap, podcasts, smart speakers, we're everywhere. Good morning, good morning, gentlemen. We yeah. are joined it, it, by Mike Tannenbaum. Whenever I had to call a game from up, it seems slower. I've never called a game from up, but whenever I had to. <laughs> let everyone know what you guys are talking when about. It, yeah, well, I'm talking about Mike McCarthy, not Mike McCarthy, Dan Quinn. Is he going to be upstairs or down on the sideline? Because this, when you call things from, like when I've been upstairs just surveying the land, it just seems slower to me. I can see it clear, but it just feels slower opposed to being on the sideline. I can think faster. You know, I, I see things a lot faster. Talking about this, of course, because Mike McCarthy will miss the game with COVID on Thursday night. Um, he was asked, by the way, about that on a conference call on getting ready for Thursday without being able to coach uh, on game day. Listen to what he said. Preparation, we got to complete it because it obviously gives us the best chance on Thursday night. I mean, obviously, I think it's going to be tough sit there and watch your team compete. That's uh, you know, that's difficult. You know, obviously, I, I had a little bit of that experience there at the end of uh, 2018, and um, you know, it was it was brutal to watch. So, Key and and Mike T were just talking about Dan Quinn. Is he going to be upstairs or downstairs? Because Dan Quinn will be the acting coach when when Mike McCarthy misses Thursday night uh, versus the Saints with COVID. So there are a couple different ways to look at this, guys. There's the kind of like what it means in the short term, right? What does it mean for this week? Um, They just lost two in a row. They lost three out of four. Can they still win the division? All that stuff. They don't have a first-round bye where they're going to be in trouble. What does it mean in the short run? Let's look at that first. Mike, what does it mean in the short run for Dallas? Well, look, this is a really important game. You know, They've been on a little bit of a losing streak here. They're playing a New Orleans team that is desperate for a win Sounds like Taysom Hill may be the quarterback. So this is a really important game for Dallas. It's a, to me, it's an opportunity for those other coaches. Um, Dan Quinn, obviously, has been a very successful head coach in this league. I'm sure he'll do a good job Thursday night going back to a role that he was in for six years. Um, but when you look at the graphic, the one thing that can – Go ahead, because I've got the same concern you got. The, the, uh, uh, Offensive the line. line. Yeah, 100%. I just saw that. I yeah. was like – Yep, 100%. And it's the assistant offensive line. Both hey. of them. And if you're Dennis Allen, he's the opposing defensive coordinator of the Saints, you know they're going to bring some looks that they probably haven't seen before. And who is going to make those adjustments? You're going to have Kellen Moore there. But to me, of all the things we just saw, the offensive line and the assistant offensive line coach being out are the biggest concerns. scary when you start thinking like, Mike, we've been around each other too long. As soon as I saw the offensive line, the assistant offensive line, and Joe Philman and, and Jeff Blasco, I said – Oh yeah, they getting ready to get run through shop. Was it? Was you it, can't lose your offensive line coaches in this situation. What, who did the Saints lose to early in the season? Carolina. When they, it was right. One of the reasons the Panthers were overrated early. They had one win against a quality opponent, and that was the Saints. Remember when they started three and zero? But but the Saints had missed their offensive coaching staff. Yeah, and it was a wrap. They couldn't do anything. Well, this 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 is the head coach. And the two offensive line coaches, the head offensive line coach and the assistant offensive line coach. But like Mike is saying, though, Dennis Allen is a defensive coordinator in New Orleans Saints. And what they like to do is bring pressure. They like to put a lot of men to man. They like to bring all that heat. And when you don't have the necessary offensive line coach being able to communicate with the offensive line to tell them on different adjustments or what the 
run scheme should be, the pass scheme should be, blocking-wise, on sideline adjustments, that could be very, very key, hard. Key and Mike, Jay is like smiling I'm, ear I'm to ear. Smiling, What's so funny? First up, I hope uh, everybody's okay. Yes, of course. But, Mike, we were talking about this in hour one. Why does this feel like this happens to the Cowboys? Like, why does it feel like all of a sudden, you know, we're talking, it's like, all right, head coach is out. And then you guys look at the screen, you're like, wait, the whole, all the all-line coaches are out now too, considering they're going against this defense, this defense in particular? Yeah, look, if, if Dallas gets a win, Jay Will, they're overcoming a lot. I mean, this is really – and then on the other side of the ball, Dan Quinn's not only the head coach, he's the defense coordinator. Taysom Hill presents a whole different offense than Trevor Simeon does. So it's really an important week for them from a meeting standpoint. So there's a lot on Dallas's plate. Now, with that said, the reason I'm so high on Dallas is think about the five players they're going to get back. Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper um, – and if they get back, they're, they're, hopefully they're going to get back a couple of others. But when you think about defensively, Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, and Micah Parsons on the field together, that's a lot of firepower. And again, the, the, they haven't had three number ones out there this year. I, I call Gallup a one. That maybe that's a little bit too high. Point being is, I think Dallas, despite all these losses they're having right now in protocol, they have a chance to. They got two ones legit at, at wide, yeah, two ones. But they yeah, have a chance to reemerge as a bona fide playoff contender in the NFC when they get it, once they get everybody back. You know what else no one's talking about? They're on a short week. Now you say no because they played on Thursday, but they played the Sunday before. Like, so they are playing three games. It's not like they're, they went from Thursday to Sunday and made up some rest from that short week. They just lost on a short week. They've lost three of four. And now they're playing without, like, there's been no break for them. Yeah. I understand it's not, they still get a full week's rest. Yeah. But usually you get a little more than that off the short week. And they're not getting that. Well, most of the stuff uh, that they're going to be doing now, most of the stuff that teams do this time of year in the month of November toward the end of the year, they trotting anyway. They're jogging anyway. They're not in full pads. Mm-hmm. They're not hitting people. Yeah, they're can, just going through the motions. Can, can I agree with that? But wouldn't you agree, though, Taysom Hill and that offense is so different than what Trevor Simeon is? Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, the RPO game is at full strength now. Yeah. I don't know if Alva, is Alva Kamara back in the – I don't know. See, that, that would be key, too, for Taysom Hill to be able to run the RPO game the way that they envision it. But the great thing about Dan Quinn is he's seen – the Saints for the last yep, seven years, years or yep. so, six years yep. being in that same division. So he kind of has some familiarity as to what to do against Sean Payton in that offense. So he'll go back, as you know, Mike, look at all the film of the Falcons and the Saints when they played, the things that he did well as a defensive coordinator against the Saints. He'll implement that into the game plan, and that's the way he'll call it. Well, we, we talked about the short term, and then, and then Mike T. also touched on the long term, guys getting healthy and everything. So Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max is brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Straight Talk Wireless has rolled out 5G coverage nationwide. You can get a Samsung Galaxy A32 5G for only $299, no contract. All in America's best networks, Straight Talk Wireless, 5G-capable device required, actual availability, availability coverage, and speed may vary. Oh, this is... I hope this is a no-win situation for the Cowboys somehow. I have to figure out the details, how it could be no-win, but I would love it to be no-win for them. <laughs> um, and, I, of course, I hope Mike McCarthy, I wish him a, a speedy recovery, of course. Let's go from A to Z. All right. From New York to L.A., Kemba Walker, guys out of the Knicks rotation 
It's not just that he's not starting, guys. He's out of the rotation. He's averaging career lows across the board, including points, 11 points a game. Two and a half boards, three assists. Tom Thibodeau had to make his decision. By the way, as he told reporters yesterday, listen. I want to tighten up the rotation. I like the way the team functions, so it'll be similar to what we did in the Atlanta game. So Ken is out of the rotation? As of right now, yes. Jay, what does this move mean? Uh, it means that Kimball Walker's getting, oh, look, with him on the floor, they're minus 122. Minus 122. Points. With him off the floor, they're plus 125. Oof. They're plus 125. So think Oof. about how big of a gap that is, and it gives guys like Alec Burks a chance to start. It gives guys like Emmanuel Quickly, who has been a dog in the fourth quarter, been able to score a lot of points, more minutes on the floor. Now, look, you can still utilize him, but defensively, guys, he's a liability on the court. That, that is a remarkable stat because what it averages out to, the point differential is virtually zero, which means 500 team. But it's only 500 team because of extraordinarily poor play with one guy on the floor versus extraordinarily good play when he's off the floor. Oh, I could see why he had to do it when you bring that up. Oh, that's so bad. Kevin Walker That's from really the bad. area, great locker room guy. The closest thing to kind of Kyrie, a mini Kyrie when he was at his best, out of the rotation. Brutal. All right. Lincoln Riley was introduced as USC head coach yesterday. He said the goal is not just to get USC back to competing for national titles, but to get L.A. excited about Trojan football again. Listen. To all the Trojan family, we're in this together. It's going to take every single one of us to do what we have to do. We all have different roles in that, and I think it's important for us at this time to to all pull together. I can promise you that you're going to get the best out of myself. You're going to get the best out of our staff, out of our players, and we're going to put something on that field that you're proud of, and I I agree uh, with Chairman Caruso. This place is going to be full. This is going to be the the mecca of football. Key, did Lincoln Riley just turn the Pac-12 into the Big 12 and the Big 12 into the Pac-12 in one year? We certainly got the best coach that was probably available in terms of getting the program restored. Um, The Big 12 Conference, Oklahoma ran through that thing. I think they won four straight Big 12 titles under Lincoln Riley. So hopefully he can bring some of that same magic to USC. But when you say that you're going to turn the the Coliseum into the mecca of college football – that that's out there now, and you know how we it's are. A big statement. We gonna give you a few years, man. Go give you a couple years, and then we want to see some something start to fester. And well, I think it he was knows that with Pete Carroll. It's yeah. Well, Pete started off shaky the first year, and then all of a sudden we go to the Orange Bowl, and then we kind of just hit and was running from there. Pete was able to do that because the foundation is already there. There are players at USC, big time talent. You got to coach them up. Think about it. These are the same guys that are at USC that Alabama recruits. Same guys. Notre Dame recruits, LSU recruits, Washington recruits. Same guys. You know what the difference is between now and Pete Carroll's era? When you see the cars (laughs) in the players' parking lot and they're fresh cars, now they have NIL. There's all kinds of reasons that you have those cars. Yeah, there's there's some things there. My two questions about Lincoln Riley, though, is going to be defense and physical toughness because he was able to bring great athletes, great quarterbacks to Oklahoma – and it was one or two games a year that he had to really be concerned about. But now, to me, when you go against Oregon, Stanford, and UCLA is a little bit up and down, but Oregon and Stanford are very physical teams. And I was 
I'm very curious to see does Lincoln Riley's offense how how does it fare against physical teams? And then secondly, you know, Key, we were talking about this before. He brought Alex Grinch, who is a good young coach, but it's not like they set the world on fire on defense. And now we know one thing: Chip Kelly, he could score points. And Oregon, they could score points. Washington State could score. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to me, the two questions I would have about Lincoln Riley, and, and I'm all about the quarterback development, the offense, but how physically tough will they be and how will they be on defense? Sounds like a fun so, conference. So here's what I would say about being physically tough. As you know, Mike, what's the first thing we do when we hire coaching staff? Who's the strength coach? Mm-hmm. So he's bringing his strength coach. I mean, they don't even call it strength coach anymore. They call it like something, nutrition specialist or something. He's bringing that individual to USC with him. So he's stripping Oklahoma of that, which is a, which is huge. USC has not had a strong strength and conditioning program since Lane Kiffin left. So you bring that. On top of that, we've always had big offense alignment and big defense alignment. We can find those guys because think about it. As far back as Anthony Munoz. I mean, we've always had tackles, guards, centers that can play. Those guys are not leaving Southern California anymore. Before they were. They were going to the SEC. Now when you look at the quarterback spot, Southern California, California in general, is the soil is rich at quarterback. You want a quarterback, just go to just go to Southern California. You can find one. There's five or six of them that are not in the Pac-12, that are in the SEC, the ACC, that belongs in the Pac-12. Yep. And so when you think about it, you can get that. Plus, USC has a couple guys uh, right now on the roster that's pretty damn good at the quarterback position. So he's starting with something. It's just a matter of him getting in there, them buying into the way he's going to structure things. And he's got about a two- to three-year window to start showing some major promise so people are going to really start to say, wait a minute. This is the same Check. guy What's that couldn't win. What's major problems, Key? Like getting to the, get the college, college football, football play- playoffs? Yeah, we just gave this dude this money to go to college football playoffs. two years? Not to go to the Cotton Bowl. We can go to the Cotton Bowl with Clay Helton. In all honesty, we can go to Cotton Bowl with Clay Helton. We can go to Fiesta Bowl with Clay Helton. We can go to Sun Bowl with Clay Helton. We paid him and stripped him, or stripped Oklahoma of him, because we want to get into the college football playoff. We've never been. We've never been, Jay. All right. Look, Jay, the fact of the matter is Lincoln Riley, in his first four years, took him to the playoff three times, Mm -hmm. right? So the real question is, I'll I'll ask you, Jay, you're a college football fan. Pay attention. Think Lincoln Riley gets SC, like not just any program, but USC to the playoff in three years. (laughs) I mean, Key would be a better answer or not. yeah, but, I mean, with the pressure that you have on him, I mean, it seems like that's his only choice. I mean, if he doesn't, you're talking about firing, going on to the next coach? No, 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 no. You're not going to fire him. What happens in this situation, because you come in with such high praise and high regard, we know that we have talent at USC. It's easier to get there now than it would have been 10 years ago because you got to transfer a portal. You can go and you can get somebody – in the secondary, like for instance, the the kid uh, Elijah Hicks from LSU, who's a corner, top corner. He's from Southern California. He's supposed to be at USC. He went to damn LSU. He's in the transfer portal now. A guy like that could change your entire secondary if you land him. If that's a weak spot of your team, so it's easier to put your team in position to do some crazy things if Lincoln Riley and his staff take care of business. So the one to me variable to Max's question is this. 
Mario Cristobal because we have to remember that Oregon earlier this year went into Columbus, Ohio, yes. and beat Ohio State in Ohio State. And I think Cristobal, to me, is intriguing for two reasons. Offensive line background, so he has that toughness, but they get good athletes at Oregon, yeah. too. So it's really a blending of the two. And I just think that when you look at what Oklahoma's done, taking nothing away, but let's face it, like Big 12's been down, Texas has been down. Oregon, to me, is going to be there. And we got to see what Chip Kelly the does. Reason, the reason Oregon has been there is because the players that didn't go to USC for whatever weird reason we didn't recruit them, like Kidan, Kidan Thibodeau, yep. was supposed to be a Trojan. Yep. He grew yep. up across the street from the damn school. Right. He goes to Oregon because he didn't want to go to USC because we failed to recruit him at the level in which we should have. Stroud. Two years mm. ago, well, we can go to Stroud. We can go to a lot of people. Two years ago, the entire secondary of Oregon Ducks – Thomas Graham, Diamador Lenore, the two safeties, Pinkett, and I can't think of the other dude. All four of them are playing on Sundays right now. They all are from within 30 miles of the campus. They went to Oregon. Hmm. Like, you just – Well, when, the, when they changed crazy. their uniforms and opened the new facilities, and this is going back, what, eight or ten years, that's when SC really had to act right then because that, that's when it was sort of the floodgates open from Southern everybody, California. Everybody got uniform yeah. changes now. And, and, and Max, I can tell you, UCLA and USC both have beautiful <laughs> facilities. Now, it's not like Oregon, but USC's facilities are oh, we're beautiful. Good. We got great yeah. facilities. No, yeah. no, no doubt, but I'm saying there was a moment in time, I forgot what it was, eight or ten years, seven, eight years ago, whatever it was, right. Oregon – like the facilities plus they just oh, they, switched they, the uniform. Yeah, Nike, the, and all these like I'm all involved. Right. Oh, yeah. and all yeah. these kids in Southern California that are like, the, yo. But, see, but that was then. That was post Pete Carroll. Yeah, that right. Was and the, then Pete, right. Yeah. That was the post Pete Carroll Lane Sark years where the uniforms became a huge thing. And the scholarships were gone and, and, the and all that. Scholarships were gone. We're not in that position anymore. The position that we're in now, we cannot afford to lose. DJU, Bryce Young. Those are quarterbacks that supposedly Bryce Young was at SC. He decommitted because he didn't want to he wanted to go to Alabama. Also, instead. Lincoln Riley you is know? turning these dudes into the first overall pick in the draft. But here's he's what I'll like, say. These guys are getting drafted you, way up high. But here's what I would say to you. We have always had first round picks in Heisman Trophy. We don't want to hear any of that's cool. That's good for us. And some, we get Heisman's and we get number one picks. And that's not what we pay for. Right, and sometimes people are silly enough to draft quarterbacks from USC in the first round too. I mean, you got to be careful with those guys. Man, that dude <laughs> took y'all to two AFC <laughs> no, 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 championship no, no. You're looking. You're looking at it from SC's point of view. What I'm saying is from a recruit's point of view, it hasn't been true of SC in a while. Now all of a sudden you got a guy, you're like, oh, this dude's going to co- – our offense is going to be crazy and I'm going to get drafted way up high. See, they're, they're, the offense though, the offenses have never really been – I mean, they've always had – talent get drafted I mean it's not the offenses are not the problem they've always been able to score points and do those sort of things but they haven't had NFL ready guys like Mike was talking about we got away from the running backs Ronald Jones was the last big back that we Mm. had that's Mm -hmm. in the NFL in the second round of Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you see what he's doing for the Bucs our offensive lineman last big tackle we had I believe was Torrin Smith I mean, we had some guys that yeah, got like drafted after him. Banner, but, Wheeler. Yeah, yeah but I'm yeah, talking yeah. about right. dudes, not right, Banner. Right. I mean, yeah. like, he's a big body, plays in Pittsburgh. Yay. Yeah. But I'm talking about guys. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. And that's, again, to me, and Mario Cristobal, like, if we spin this story, you know, two to three years forward, and the short list of people who replace Nick Saban when he retires are going to be Dabo Sweeney and Mario Cristobal. And, you know, Cristobal is a great recruiter. 
offensive line background. And to me, now look, they just lost to Utah, but like they're a very physical team. But Utah's David, a good football team. Yeah. yeah, yeah. David Shaw, very physical. And we know Chip Kelly, he's going to make his team relevant one way or the other. So, I, again, I like the Lincoln-Riley sign, but I just think defensively, it's been a little yeah. bit of a free pass. Wow, yeah. we're just talking about the Pac-12 in a completely different tonality, aren't we now? Yeah. Between Luke Fickle and, you know, now all this stuff happening, it's just crazy how fast that happens. <laughs> Pac-12. We'll be okay. I know you will. Saying it's just, I just got around to calling the Pac-12, like, I don't know, three or four years ago. It Pac- was always the Pac-10. Pac-10 stuck in my head forever. Oh, we're talking San about- Diego Chargers. Like, you know, it's, it takes yeah. me some time. By the way, Herm Edwards has done a really good job at Arizona Herm is State. A, Her- you know, Herm has done a good job. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not going to be – it's not going to be a cakewalk like people think. Right. But we probably got the best coach in the conference right now. Mm-hmm. And we certainly can – USC recruits itself. You just can't lose. That's right. It recruits itself. You just can't lose the talent. A lot of times the people that was doing the recruiting, we're so arrogant at USC, we think because the logo, people just going to come to the school. And a lot of kids get turned off by that and say, you know what, no, I'm, I'm going to go to Ohio State instead. It's like, huh? And then it's too late. Giving Tuesday kicks off V-Week on ESPN all day long. ESPN Radio is going to be supporting the V-Foundation. Giving Tuesday continues next with someone who did not think they'd ever play again and then came back, nearly won the home run derby. That's coming up. KJM on ESPN Radio and ESPN2. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's l e c t r i c ebikes.com. Keyshawn J Willemax presented by Progressive Insurance. Um Giving Tuesday and tomorrow V Week kicks off on ESPN. ESPN Radio is going to be supporting the V Foundation. We're delighted to be joined on the Goodyear Hotline by cancer survivor and 2021 AL Comeback Player of the Year, Trey Mancini from the Baltimore Orioles. Good morning, Trey. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Good, Good man. How are you doing, you Trey? Good to see you, Trey. Uh, 
pretty well. Besides the Brian Kelly news, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. It happens. <laughs> it, hey, hey, it happens, man. Being a Notre Dame guy, leaving right before the college football playoff, well, let's assume he's not going to coach in the playoff. I doubt that he will. How you feel about that, though? Leaving y'all high and dry. It's tough. Uh, it's a tough pill to swallow, but I also understand, um, you know, there's two sides of it. So, um, you know, I don't want to say too much. I, I know it's a lot of money that he was likely offered from LSU. So you can't blame him in that regard, but it's, it's still really tough. Um, you know, he built the program up really well the last 10 or 11 years and, and got Notre Dame back to relevance. Um, so, so we're always going to be very appreciative of that. So, um, LSU just announced the move, some breaking news, a 10 years and 95 million. So it's uh it's official. Wow. Yep, it's official. Wow. That's hey, a nice payday. Yeah. Trey, you yeah, were not bad. you were obviously, you know, this is um this is uh, Giving Tuesday, and we're supporting the V Foundation here at ESPN Radio all week. You were diagnosed with uh, cancer in 2020, only to return and have a great season for the Orioles in 2021. Could you share your story? Yes, yes. So I got to spring training in uh, February of 2020, and we had our annual physicals. And my blood test came back, and my iron levels were extremely low, like totally depleted iron levels. So um, the trainers, luckily, were really proactive and got an endoscopy and colonoscopy for me just to see. We thought it was probably celiac disease or something like that, maybe a stomach ulcer. But um, luckily, I got the colonoscopy, and and there is a malignant tumor in my colon that needed to be removed immediately. So I had surgery six days later. Um, And then six days following my surgery, I found out that it had reached uh, three of my lymph nodes and would need to go through six months of chemotherapy. So at that point, I knew that I wouldn't be playing baseball in 2020. And and honestly, I wasn't thinking about baseball too much at that point. I just wanted to survive and live a long life. Um, but luckily, I was able to get back out there this year. Trey, you know, we, we've gone through a lot as athletes, just in general, not nearly probably close to what you had to endure with you and your family and everything like that. As time went by, when you heard the news, though, did, did it seep into your mind at any point in time? that you've put in all this hard work to become a phenomenal major league baseball player, but you may not be able to ever resume your career again. Yes. It was really difficult to hear. And I was coming off a career year in 2019. I felt like I was right in my prime. And uh, when I received the news, there is definitely some bitterness that comes with it. I'm not going to lie. I felt like I had had a lot stripped away from me. Um, But at the same time, again, like I was just, thinking about surviving and I went into fight or flight mode and luckily I had the best support system imaginable around me and they got me through it. But um, again, yeah, there's definitely some, some bitterness that comes with it too. Trey, can you describe to us the moment and what it felt like when you found out that you were going to be able to play again? It was amazing. Uh, I finished chemotherapy in September of 2020, uh, September 21st, and I got my scans done that day and everything looked all clear. 
So at that moment, I knew there was a good chance I'd be able to come back and play. And every three months, I still do extensive blood tests and scans just to make sure everything looks good. Um, so the battle is certainly not over, even though you finish treatment and there's no evidence of disease. Um, it's something that still follows you and, and can be frightening. So um, I'm, I'm still in surveillance mode, but um, at the same time, you have to move on and live your life. What it, what and, it, and that's what I'm doing. What did it feel like to step to the plate in the home run derby in Colorado when you finally got up there to hit hit one yard long? <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, that was an adrenaline rush that I haven't had, I think, since probably my major league debut five years ago. It was just the most incredible night. I'm so happy I did it. I was debating back and forth whether I should take a few days off or um, if I should do the home run derby, but that's an opportunity you can't pass up. It's a once in a lifetime deal. And I'm so glad I did it because it was the best experience ever. Trey, you know, boom, boom, the nickname, like uh, apparently it was your original nickname since little league because your last name is Mancini and boom, boom, Mancini, who was lightweight champ when I was a kid and one of the best action fighters on television back then, um, could you is that is that the fact you were named you were given that nickname by who by whom originally boom boom Mancini I originally was given the nickname by one of my coaches when I was eight years old uh, his name's Rusty Mouton we're still really close with with um, he and his family I was actually the best man in his son's wedding but right when he met me he saw my last name and I was a bigger kid when I was younger so um, the name Boom Boom kind of stuck. Uh, and I learned a lot about the real Boom Boom Mancini, um, you know, throughout my whole life. And when I was in AAA, actually, five years ago, he sent me a signed picture and said from one Boom Boom to another, like, good luck. Um, and I thought that was really cool. So I've become a huge fan of Ray Mancini. Yeah, Ray that's Mancini awesome, was the man back in the day, for sure. <laughs> Mark Kriegel has a great book on him, by the way, on Boom Boom Mancini, if anyone's interested. What's your expectations for uh, this season coming up? I'm really excited for this season. I, I'm having much more of a normal off season. A week ago when I finished chemotherapy, I was really weak. I had a lot of catching up to do and work to do. And I felt like I did a good job, but physically I still totally wasn't myself. Um, so I'm excited to just kind of be back to normal and, and I'm already getting back to work and, and really excited for next season because we have so many exciting young players on the Orioles and I've uh, kind of become like the older veteran guy on the team. Uh, all of a sudden, it happened pretty quickly. But I'm I'm really happy about a lot of the young talent we have this year. We're gonna have a ton of guys making their major league debuts this year who are gonna be in Baltimore for a long time. So I'm really really excited about this year. That's right. We all know that feeling. Yesterday we were all the young guy on the team, and now everybody's the vet. Yeah, yeah. It happens overnight. It seems like, but um, but yeah, I really like that role. It's it's exciting. Trey, thank you uh, very much for joining the show this morning and sharing your story. Best of luck next season, except for when you play against the Yankees, of course. But otherwise, best of luck next season. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, but Trey Mancini on the Goodyear hotline. Um, Man, you don't want to hear about no damn Yankees. Well, that's what I'm saying. I wish him the best of luck unless he's playing the Yankees. I don't want him to take some offers. That's what a fan does. Yeah, man, it's all right. It's all right. If you played against really the Giants, going. I root against you. You know, I've been in L.A. I know. The color on the television has me really smoky. What? <laughs> it's the white backdrop, too. It's, so really, it's all right. I'm really look... charred. Let me tell you something. Charred. Here's the thing about the East Coast this time of year. I look like the ghost of Christmas past or something. Casper. Uh, oh, Casper oh, you look Kellerman. like you need Casper some Kellerman. sun. I totally look in like I've been in the sun, though. You have totally. been in the sun. Yeah, I totally look like it. been in the heat. No, I look like it. I, I could say that you can't, Evan. 
Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tiger Woods spoke to the media just a short while ago and addressed his recovery, which is now nine months in. It's hard to explain how difficult it's been uh, just to be immobile for you know, three months and just lay there. And you know, I was just looking forward to just getting outside. And that was you know, a goal of mine. And uh, especially for a person who has lived his entire life outside, um, that was that was a goal. And uh, finally got to that point, uh, went transition from wheelchair to crutches to now nothing. Uh, it's been a lot of hard work. I, I'm very thankful to all the surgeons and, and especially the, the nurses who are the unsung heroes through all of it, uh, who were there you know, by my bed and kept my, my spirits up, all my friends and family. Uh, there were some tough times in there. There were some really, really tough times, and pain got, got pretty great at times. But um, they helped me get through it, and uh, I'm on the better side of it, but I still got a long way to go. If only we had a world-class athlete on this show who had a, a major accident with a vehicle where there was serious consequences, who had to go through a lot, I'm sure, to get back to living a fruitful life who could shed some light on this topic, maybe from his own perspective. It's just, you know, when you're considered the greatest golfer to ever play the game, all the accolades, all the green jackets, all the roars from the crowd, you know, when you're not hospital bed and it's you and your family, all that stuff pales in comparison to wanting to be able to do normal things again. You know, it just – it puts everything into perspective because you're so myopic and you're so focused on winning all the time and how competitive you need to be that, and I'm not saying this is what Tiger did, but you know, for me, sometimes you don't see things that are right in front of your face, your family members, your kids, whatever it might be, because you're lost in that competitive juice. And when I hear the tonality of that guy's voice right there, that's somebody that uh, obviously is still going to try to come back in some kind of form or fashion, like just to play golf and to be normal. But um, 
I think he recognizes some of the stuff that he missed probably because he was so centered and focused what, on that. What? How? From golf is not basketball. You need much more athletic. A, a, it's much more difficult to get back to a to a basketball court athletically, just physically. That's just a realistic well, description. His, but Tiger's injuries though are so severe that it's going to clearly uh, affect his ability to be no doubt a golfer, not even at Tiger Woods level, but at a yeah. level that but that's what can I'm compete. What I'm getting at is. So I'm, I'm interested, Jay, in your personal experience and the perspective you can lend here in the sense that at first it puts things into perspective, I'm sure. First of all, I'm glad to be alive. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I'd like to walk again. Thirdly, I'd like to be able to live a normal life, so-called normal life. At, is there a point, though, where – I guess what I'm asking is are you therefore so thankful for what you have that anything extra is great – or is there a point where you get greedy? Like, you're like, oh. okay, now I'm here. Now I want more. You're inherently greedy. I mean, that's never going to change. That's part of his DNA. I think the biggest challenge for Tiger will be other people will naturally compare the new Tiger or whatever this version of Tiger Woods is to the old version. And for him, to for himself, is he okay with whatever this new version of Tiger Woods is going to be on the golf course? Did, did that now, Tiger's individual sport, your team sport, but at the time of your accident, you were one of the top players in the world at your position. Mm-hmm. You may have not been the top because it doesn't really matter. It's who you ask. Yep. But you were one of the top. Did that kind of – did you have to go through some of those things where people looked at you and said, well, he ain't the same Jay Will? Oh, 1,000% one, one key. It's like, you know, you can relate to this a little bit, like a tad, right? Like it's now at this stage of your life when people say, like you knew what you were, right? But if you get on the field, like, you can't do it at the same rate. Yeah. Right? Um, it's so different if you had a major, major significant injury. Mm-hmm. Because then you're always going to wonder, man, if I didn't if I didn't, if do I, this. If I didn't do that. Like, you know, like, and you see other guys that you know you used to give work to. If I just even at an older stage of your career yeah. that you're looking at and they're having crazy success. It doesn't change how people will dictate your success, but you'll always wonder what could be more. You'll I, always wonder I do that. Want, I, in Tiger's case, he had a, had already accomplished so much at a professional level. Yeah, but it's like level. Jordan, though. It wasn't about that. But even though he accomplished so much, believe it or not, he still had more to go. <laughs> exactly. Because think about it. Prior to him winning the last master, what was you saying? Ah, he's done. Hey, Tiger can't play anymore. Then he proves everybody wrong, goes out and wins a master. I didn't say he was Well, done. not you, but people. people. No. And, and so he does that. He gets another green jacket. Then he wins a tournament or two, takes off, whatever. Then he gets into the accident that he just got into recently in California. So now he's up against it again. Yeah, and the big thing for Tiger, really, is Nicholas has the 18 majors. And because he won another major – it's like, okay, he's at 15. See? And golf is not like basketball. You can play golf till you're old, right? It does not require the same level of athletic ability. So it ages better than something like basketball or football, obviously. So, yeah, he's probably thinking, I had, you know, I, w- I was in striking distance. But who's to say, just because it's more challenging now, that it's impossible? But, he, but the crazy thing about it, if you listen carefully to Tiger and his presser with the, the media earlier he did not say he couldn't. What he said is, I'm not going to play the same, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to play nearly as much, but I plan on playing. So does that mean that I'm taking myself out of, I don't know how many events, 
15 events, but I'm going to only play the six that's there. Yeah, he said he's doing the Ben Hogan. So he's going to yeah, pick, so and, choose pick and, and choose. Yeah. yeah. And so that one that you pick might be the right choice. Yeah. And then be. what? Now you get to where you were trying to get to. Jay, as, it, some, as someone who – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say mechanically just playing golf since I've been a little kid and being a caddy too, it's – I, you know, I don't know exactly the details of what happened to his legs, but that transfer of weight, like how you go back and forth and the torque that he used to swing with, I know he's he's changed that uh, over the course of his career, but like that's also something that, you know, it's going to be so fascinating to watch like what that new version of Tiger is and how willing and accepting of that new version will he be for himself. Yeah, you, I mean, but people talk about all the things in his personality. Why did he fall off in this night? He switched equipment and his personal life. He had herniated discs in his back. Those didn't go, those didn't he, go away, by the way. By the way, I've had those. Like when they're herniated, when they're actually bulging, you can't stand up. He talks about he, could, he was on the ground. He couldn't get up and play with his kids. Of course that's going to affect your golf game. But uh, what I'm interested in, Jay – is you've been through it. And we all go through our own journeys in life and deal with our struggles, and it mm-hmm. never stops. Life is a struggle for everyone, even people you think have it made, right? Life's a struggle. Um, but from what you hear from Tiger Woods, because to my ears, he sounds like he has a healthy outlook. You know, he has, he has accepted this new reality. This is what he's doing, etc. But uh, that's why I'm asking. You've been through it. What does it sound like to you from him? Well, you say he's accepting his new reality. He's never really going to accept that. That's a constant work in progress, man. Mm-hmm. Like you're constantly working on accepting what the new reality is. But there's always a part of Tiger that is a damn fighter, Key. Oh, yeah. Like he always going to fight, right? So, like, how much do you fight in this new reality that you're learning to how to adjust on how to accept? But when you come close to the situation that he was just in, tumbling in a car. Yeah, he might not live. You're going to look at things a whole, a whole lot, lot differently. differently. Yep. Hey, by the way, Jay, you want to be my caddy? <laughs> you, said you, play grew, golf? you said you grew up in a caddy. I, I can tell know. you the right clubs to hit with. It doesn't mean you're well, going you to carry hit the ball. my bag. No, bro. no, no. We got carts now. We got electric no, carts. No, no, no. You're trying to turn this into him carrying your bag. <laughs> because he said he's a caddy. I said he I was used to when caddy when I was a child. Child. So I'm saying you should caddy for me. Hell no. We'll be back tomorrow morning. Oh, you would transition it like that. Greeny next. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.